0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage, Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the U.S.S. Enterprise. Commander Benjamin Sisko, the Federation Starfleet Deep Space
1: Nine. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica.
0: I'm Ben Harrison.
1: Ben, I am a newly minted dog owner. (laughs)
0: <laughs> are we going to talk yeah. about this?
1: Yeah, I want to talk about it. I, because I have questions. You've been a dog owner for how many years?
0: Well, I, I had one when I was a kid, but as a... As but an I mean ad- as
1: an adult, like like I, adult caretaker of a of a dog.
0: As an adult, we are coming up on three years.
1: I'm interested in hearing how this has changed your relationship with your wife, because uh before dog or or bd <laughs> i used to have conversations with my wife about uh you know culture and movies sure. and food and and beverage now ben uh most conversations with her involve uh my dog's poop <laughs> uh it's consistency frequency and color sure um, is this a thing that happens to you when you become a dog owner? You just start talking about poop all the time.
0: Uh, I think you've noticed my sense of humor, Adam.
1: <laughs> but I mean, in the in the way that like we don't make fun of it, we're like grating yeah. it. No, we're, yeah. Like, how how was he out there? Did he make a great big poop? <laughs> what that poop look like? <laughs> how many times did he poop today?
0: I would say we're that, obsessed with it. Yeah, because you don't want the poop in the house. That's why the. Like, knowing where the dog is at, W slash R slash T poop, (laughs) is how you keep poop out of your house. And it is, yeah, like, I mean, like, it can be incredibly frustrating where you're like, I know you didn't poop when I walked you at noon. I've taken you on a walk before dinner. Now it's after dinner. It's time for bed. I am, like, walking you around this neighborhood desperate for you to drop some kids off at the pool so that we can go home and go to bed and I don't have to toss and turn worrying that you're going to get up in the middle of the night and poop.
1: That poop anxiety is so real. It's so real, Ben.
0: He hasn't pooped in the house in more than two years, I want to say. Definitely more than a year and a half. And still, I, you know, I mean, like, it's good, right? Like, you, you need to, like, have your dog also not have poop anxiety,
1: yeah, that's true. I mean, and part of it is, like, we weren't sure if he was okay in the beginning. Uh, we are now, at this point, uh, the, the owners of a five-year-old Wheaton Terrier. You know, I think you should all be nicer to Will Wheaton. And Sprocket is awesome in every way. But, you know, those first couple days, he was soft-serving it up in the back. <laughs> and we, were, we were afraid something was wrong with him. Like, maybe he's stressed out, or maybe he's sick, or maybe he's got parvo or something. mm but uh, so far, that is not the case. He just may be an emotional dog. Yeah, you his get dog life in a new home.
0: You got to adapt to a new situation, your your poo may go out of whack for a week or two. Um, it, it, how is the cat doing with uh, with the new addition to the fam?
1: This has been a problem because uh, we have. You've been to my home before. We have an upstairs area and sort of a finished basement where uh, where I broadcast from. The cat basically lives downstairs, and we have a, a baby gate at the top of the stairs to keep the dog away from the cat. <laughs> uh, because we have we have kind of a uh, not an old cat, but the cat's like ten years old, and the cat's been the beneficiary of of being like the only child pet in sure. the house. Yeah. For its entire life, and now we've introduced this dog, and in a way, I'm totally uh, sympathetic to. Like, uh-huh. I think it's fucked up to put the cat through this, but it is clearly going to be a very long road to get them acclimated to each other. And from what I've read, like that's pretty common. Like, don't plan on this. Don't plan on the cat coming around to this idea in a week or two. Plan <laughs> on it being like maybe a year. so it's at this point uh there's like a demilitarized zone of a stairwell yeah and cat downstairs dog upstairs living arrangement and uh at this point i don't know what else to do about it
0: i don't want to make you feel terrible adam but uh we got a dog after my cat had been a member of the family for four or five years when i was a kid and she never forgave us she was she just walked around the house yowling angry all the time for the rest of her life.
1: <laughs> Until you came home one day and your cat blew its brains out.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just that paw on the side of the <laughs> gun handle <laughs> up to the head. You, know, you like, made me do this. Robert Smigel doing the voice. <laughs> yeah yeah this is your fault
1: <laughs> i didn't know you had a robert schmeigel uh Toonts's cat at home <laughs> makes the situation all the more tragic yeah wow well it's gonna be a long road ben and the worst part god like this is the worst part is like i love this dog already yeah that's a bad thing because its previous owner his previous owner may in fact take him back Oh, no. Because they're having such uh, sad feelings about giving him up. Yeah. They gave him up because uh, they've got a young family, and they've got another young one on the way. And this dog, not great around little kids. Hmm. And so rather than uh, subject the kids to the threat of a and Terrier, they thought, why not stick him in a home that has no hope of ever having children? <laughs> like ours. So... Uh it may be by the time this episode comes out uh we may have had to give him back which would be awful. I hope that doesn't end up happening.
0: Yeah. Um, that would be a sad sad Fifi.
1: So we've got a uh, we've got a developing situation here, Ben, and uh updates as they come.
0: Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Adam. Do you want to get into a terrible episode of Star Trek Deep Space 9?
1: Yeah, there's no sense in prolonging it any longer. I wish the writers of this episode could take this one back. <laughs> it's season one, episode nine. Move along, home.
0: Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. This has actually a pretty fun opening. Cisco's getting ready for a, a a dressy occasion. He's got his dress uniform on. Jake comes in.
1: Dress uniform.
0: He's like lounging around, sipping on some lemonade. And let's slip that he has taken to hanging out on the promenade, scoping babes with Nog. And Cisco's like, man, I have let this go on long enough. You and I have got to have a conversation about girls. And Jake lets uh, slip that uh, he already had the birds and the beast conversation, and it was with Nog. That, Adam, is the premise of an episode. That is a fucking great premise. Like sex
1: ed from Nog would be so amazing.
0: Like sex ed from Nog would be amazing. Like the idea of like, oh God, this commander has made this has made this kind of surprise career move where he's gone to this like terrible post that wound up being a really exciting post and he's really committed to it. But a consequence of that is his young son is learning Social and sexual mores from an alien who has a totally different set of values from him. Like, what a fascinating premise to kick off an episode.
1: I love the idea that Nog pronounces body parts the way he pronounces human. Like, uh, (laughs) this is the pubis (laughs) mons. Yeah, I love the idea of this, and it's such a tease that we really don't get more after the fact. Uh, Jake lets slip a couple of things. Uh, he's 14 years old, and he's interested in Bajoran girls. And, Jake, I see you. I see you, man. I'd <laughs> sue a... him into Bajoran women.
0: You and Jake are, have have a lot in common. Both into Bajoran women, both very immature. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> cisco bitches about uh not having worn the dress uniform in a couple of years ben my question to you is has it been since his wife's funeral that he's worn it wow because that is a heaviness that they don't speculate on yeah but what if they had
0: yeah that would have been real real sadsies
1: yeah Instead, we get, like, uh, boy, I used to be a real fatso three years ago. (laughs) This thing's thing's really dumpy now, all of a sudden.
0: Baggy's quite fashionable on Bajor right now. Lemonade. Speaking of dress uniforms, Julian Bashir is apparently unaware of replicators. (laughs) I'm positive I packed my dress uniform.
1: I guess Bashir doesn't trust replicators uh, with respect to his uniform uh, in the same way most people don't trust it with their coffee. <laughs> he's afraid he's going to get a real bitter dress uniform out of there.
0: O'Brien's been away. The replicators are just not working great.
1: <laughs> O'Brien's still gone. Oh, man. Cut to O'Brien on Earth. Like, <laughs> sleeping on uh, an inflatable mattress <laughs> in uh, in his mother-in-law's guest room. <laughs> Like, just getting shithouse drunk off of the pint of scotch that he bought?
0: Yeah. <laughs> How did I get here? Do you, do you think that this is, they wrote this into the script after the costume department got their wires crossed and couldn't, couldn't get a dress uniform together in time? Or do you think this was like original script material? Because if it's original script material, then whoever wrote the script doesn't understand the world that they're writing for.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure either scenario is particularly interesting, unfortunately, you
0: know? Well, it's interesting from the standpoint of, did they write this scene in to explain why they screwed up? Or did, did they make the mistake of not remembering that replicators exist when they were writing the script?
1: I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of inclined to believe that this is just another in the case file of Julian Bashir, dopey doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he says he has one, and he just can't find it. You look fine, Julian, relax.
0: They're all standing here waiting for this alien delegation. These are the fir- This is the first diplomatic visit from wormhole aliens, Gamma Quadrant aliens, and uh, the folks that come through are sort of like sort of like if elves from Lord of the Rings got really into face tats
1: <laughs> forehead tats yeah
0: it's like eh, we we don't want to do loaf for like 12 people so we'll just do some like markers on their foreheads and these, these guys, guys are
1: called the wadi
0: yeah and the wadi are not interested in uh, engaging in a complicated first contact scenario they're like we heard about Quarks We want to go fuck around with some of the games. We're into games.
1: There's sort of like that version of grandparent that only travels if it means going uh, from casino to casino. (laughs) I don't know if you know this type of person. Are you two heading for Las Vegas? Yeah, (laughs) we're going to score. But yeah, like this is a type. Like, let's go down to New Orleans and do some riverboat gambling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not not really something that goes down in my family, but I I have friends who have families like this.
1: We come to meet Fallow, who is the leader of the Wadi. He's the leader because he has the tallest hair, (laughs) the longest ponytail, (laughs) the most Ben Stiller-like carriage.
0: The only lines.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. All of the Wadi look like they wear the carpet from a Mall Santa display. <laughs> like they all look vaguely nutcrackery.
0: They look vaguely like Jewish nutcrackery though, because it's all it's all blue and silver, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh Fallow talks like a magician, too. Like in a wide-eyed, dramatic almost holding hands in front of his face kind of way.
0: Like, right, yeah, he's, he is not uh, here to act in an episode of Deep Space Nine. He's an ap- in an episode of Fool Us with Penn and Teller.
1: <laughs> you remember John C. Riley at the end of Boogie Nights, you know, when they show his future as, like, the hacky magician <laughs> who, who cuts the lady in half? Yeah. And, like, all he does is, like, do the jazz hands in front of his face. That's fallow.
0: Yeah. That's the level of character development we've got <laughs> is like a, a one beat joke from a Paul Thomas Anderson film.
1: Yeah. first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, scientific
0: troop, or historical troop, or personal troop. They all pile into Quark's bar and, and uh, we come back from title sequence and, and Cork is like, is, is like very concerned about this situation because, He's worried these people came from another side of the galaxy. Like, who knows what they have to spend? And Cisco's like, listen, dude, like, if you want to have a bar here on the station, like, part of your job is, is like, cultural attache. You got to, like, you got to show these people a good time. You got to show them that we can hang with them and we can have peaceful coexistence. And what they want is to play games and near the dude with the games. So make it happen.
1: It sure elevates Quark up into a into a hospitality situation that you know it seems like he would be equipped for like who better for first contact than than a person for whom hospitality is their mission. Mm. He certainly seems more apt and capable than Cisco who is like head in hands just tired of this shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's a pretty fun scene where Quark and the Wadi kind of like negotiate a a means of exchange because the Wadi are obsessed with a uh, a type of stick
1: that look strangely like bully sticks.
0: The, yeah, the, they uh, they look like something a dog would be quite enthusiastic about chewing up. Uh, they call them Clon Pigs, I think and uh cork is like uh not so not so fast that's not that's not really gonna move the needle around here and uh they try and ply him with fancy booze, but he doesn't he doesn't take to it and uh and so they get stuck uh with giving him gems and uh and rare rocks
1: fallows like You've never uh, been to the gift shop of a natural history museum, have you? (laughs) I'm about to blow your mind, friend. Look at this
0: velvet sack of polished stones. (laughs) Fifteen bucks for as much as the stack will fit.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Like, just so classically worthless.
0: Yeah, and Quark is like, is, you know, being a Ferengi... uh, obsessed with business but not good at it he yeah. thinks that these guys are whales so he's like send these men some drinks
1: yeah and it isn't long before they are sort of taking his pants and shirt and business in terms of their winnings like they are betting and winning and then doubling their bet and winning winning again and cork is really sweating them like this is not going well for Cork.
0: I, I just I like just invited they're... a dozen Rainmans into my casino. I was actually going to try and make some uh, real money tonight, but in honor of Mike's alley-like return to the ring, I'll sit with you all for a while.
1: Yeah, like in the beginning, Cork is like, "Oh, I got these fucking whales here. This is going to be great. I'm gonna I'm gonna enrich myself off of their ignorance." And uh, the polished stone is on the other foot fairly quickly when uh when the wadi has really taken the house down cork is like we gotta we gotta change the tide i'm gonna change the dabo girl out for a for a random ferengi and this random ferengi starts hitting button buttons underneath the table uh buttons he's hitting buttons in a way that is so obvious <laughs> that uh <laughs> that there's no possible way that fallow could not detect that he's starting to be cheated
0: here yeah i was think i i recently got a uh, a watch of the smart variety and i was thinking about like the implications of it for cheating at gambling like if you can have something on your wrist that vibrates whenever you need it to like you could you could very easily rig rig up a way to you know use it use it as a card counting aid right <laughs> hey. and the idea of just like a like a bright red button under the countertop <laughs> being being how how quirks dabo table is rigged is just like give me a fucking break and also where's the vegas gambling commission you know
1: that's a great point it's it's the most l- lowest rent form of cheating ever like there is far more sophisticated Gambling cheating going on now. There's more sophisticated gambling cheating going on 50 years ago than there is on this station
0: It's a very strange choice in the script and uh, the first of many
1: (laughs) Yeah Fallow is rightly insulted by the idea that that this new relationship has borne out this
0: cheating Did I say first I meant? uh, first after the first dozen
1: (laughs) sure Fallow's like, I got a game for you. I know I we said
0: ge- we wouldn't be drinking during this episode, Adam, but I'm drinking.
1: <laughs> That's fair. Do what you have to do to get through it, man. I'm on a bunch of barbiturates. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah? <laughs> to
0: be quite honest about it, I in a, a bucket, a Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my state. Oh, no. I don't use the
1: So Fallow's like, I'm going to blow your mind with a game from where we come from. And he produces a box that, upon opening it, like, Q powers a giant board game into the room.
0: Yeah, a giant, like, if you took one of these into a games workshop, you'd be the lord of the lair.
1: It is giant.
0: (laughs) It's really big. Turns out these are tabletop gaming elves.
1: The game is called Chula Chula. And it's a game that Cork is not made to know the rules of before playing.
0: You're required to learn as you play. Roll.
1: And as soon as the game manifests on the tabletop, we cut to a pajamaed Cisco uh, who is sort of rolling over in bed who, upon completing his rollover finds himself on the ground and wearing a uniform and not his pajamas anymore.
0: What is the mechanic at play here? They beam him into a... like are, Is he in a holodeck? Is he in the game? Is he in, has he been miniaturized and put in the game somehow? Has he been virtualized? Why does he have his uniform? Why does he have a tricorder? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> We
1: barely get any time to consider this before we hear Bashir just screaming, <laughs> and uh, and our uh, our players rally around Bashir. It turns out Cisco uh, and Bashir aren't the only ones here. They've uh, Dax and Kira are also on the scene. Bashir has been screaming in sort of in a in a way to get himself out of what he perceives to be a nightmare. Yeah. But it's the kind of screaming the actor really doesn't believe in. You know? He's doing the room-style acting, where he's like, Ah! <laughs> ah!
0: <laughs> Shut
1: It's over! It's not over! Everybody betrayed me. I fed up with this world. This is how I wake up from a nightmare. <laughs> like, he, he doesn't even bother to give it a full-throated scream.
0: It's really weird. Also, like, we should talk about the the place that they have woken up in. It's just kind of a series of hallways and rooms that have the linoleum flooring that you would see in like a church dining hall type of type of environment and then just like unremarkable flat orange walls and purple diamond shaped doors. Like the set design is like astonishingly lazy and uninspired.
1: Well, it really felt to me like it was set designed for budget. They're like, "Look, I know this is an impossible situation, but you have forty dollars, and you've <laughs> got to make us—you got to make us one room and a hallway that we can just shoot at different angles, and then and then set decorate in different ways. And that's all we got, man. Please, can you please, do
0: it? Can we take some money away from TNG across the street? I mean, that show's almost over, man."
1: They spent thirty thousand dollars on the Wadi's carpet sample, uh, <laughs> d- drape capes, and <laughs> and ponytails, and they left just a pittance for this set. And given how much of the show takes place on this set, it's a real shame.
0: I think it's. I think all of the budget went into the wigs on the Wadi. Yeah, that, that wig game is tight. They all have a ton of hair and the hair looks good, but then they have no loaf. They have like bad smeary makeup on their foreheads that is just like a, a series of shapes that's smearing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like gimme a fucking break. Like who fucking did that? And then, and then the Let, only get
1: some get some henna up in this bitch.
0: The only other set we see is like one hallway from their ship. This is like the cheapest episode of Star Trek. Yeah, it really is. What are they saving their money for?
1: I don't know. I mean, I would have thought that the budget lessons of early TNG would have been learned to a degree where there would be more runway episode to episode in Deep Space Nine. But they clearly ran out of runway here.
0: Yeah. Odo is sitting in his office. i uh, Mr. Bunker. And... Young 14-year-old Jake comes in. He was like, hey, dude, have you seen my dad? I woke up this morning expecting to have him tell me about wearing a rubber and asking for consent. And uh, he wasn't around. And Odo's like, all right, kid, go, uh, go run along. I'm sure he's up in ops. And he's like, no, he's not in ops. And uh, I asked the computer, and he's not on the station. And Odo's like, well... That's very interesting. I didn't realize my pants were around my ankles, but uh, I'll look into it.
1: <laughs> I I mean this speaks to a thing this is like a computer MacGuffin that they wield often, which is anytime a senior staff person is suddenly not on the station or the ship some sort of alarm should go off, right? (laughs) Like any workplace, you should clock in and clock out, and if for some reason you're not where you're supposed to be and you haven't clocked in or clocked out, the computer should automatically send a message to security that, like, hey, something's up here. But because of the need to forward a story, we don't get that technology.
0: It's also weird that Odo is like... like, uh, like maybe the only interesting thing in this episode, after the idea of Jake learning about sex from Nog, is that Odo has like is like trying to save face in front of the commander's son. Like he doesn't want to admit that he has been completely blindsided by the information that Jake comes down down there with. When I find out where your father went, I'll let you know. What this means is that for hours the. The four top officers on the station have been unaccounted for and this is the first Odo is hearing about it. He's like the equivalent of like tucking into his his seat at the start of the work day, you know, got his cup of coffee, got his uh got his paper folded in a quarter. You know, has uh, his bucket put away.
1: <laughs> yeah. And in
0: his uh, special bucket pelican case. He does not see this fire drill coming at all
1: what do you think if you were to list out odo's job what do you think <laughs> in terms of importance what's at the top of that list the safety and security of the senior staff right yeah that's got to be at the top
0: he's he's very embarrassed and and like embarrassed in an interesting and very human way because he goes up to ops and lieutenant toast is in there Lieutenant George Priman Starfleet security just as just as blissfully ignorant of what's going on and odo like lights into him like it is not odo's fault but it's lieutenant toast's fault that they missed this i heard that wadi party went on all night how long have you been a security officer lieutenant
1: this is classic bad management right here like like odo's pants are down so he's going to pull down the pants of a subordinate Mm -hmm. like so that they're both pantsless
0: it's not a good look for odo but it also really humanizes him in an endearing way you know like oh yeah like like people make that mistake for sure
1: right so back in cork's bar
0: and just for those keeping track at home that's the last interesting thing that happens in this episode
1: You may hit the forward 30 button about uh, <laughs> about 20 times at this point. So back in Cork's bar, Cork is white-knuckling his way through a game he doesn't understand. <laughs> and ask anyone who's been in a casino for any length of time, like, the number one thing you don't want to do in gambling is play a game you don't know the rules for. No. <laughs> and... And Cork doesn't even understand the stakes. At this point, Cork doesn't know that his game pieces are Cisco, Bashir, Kira, and Dax. He's just like, he thinks he's playing himself out of hot. Is there a minimum wager? And that's and that's the, uh, the stress that he's under right now. It's about to get way more heightened once that realization hits him.
0: Within the game, uh, the gang has opened a door and discovered a little girl who's d- playing like triangle hopscotch and singing the rhyme that is kind of the synecdoche of why this episode is so bad <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alma Rain count to four Alma Rain then three more Alma Rain you can see Alma Rain you'll come with me it's hurtful to see serious actors do this to themselves (laughs) like like to see to see a nana visitor with her amount of gravitas yeah have to have to sing this song and do the hand motions
0: it's really interesting to to like see the way they all like we have four serious actors who who all choose to play this really differently. Yeah. Terry Farrell is is the one that puts it together that what they have to do is say the rhyme and do the hopscotch exactly the way the girl does. And she does that in the kind of like the kind of like like she plays it like I am in a I'm in a thriller and I've like solved the puzzle that the villain laid here for us way and then she does the she does the rhyme and does the hopscotch in a like in, in like the steely-eyed, like get through this, and we'll get to the next, the next challenge. But then, but then Avery Brooks does it, and he's like <laughs> sing-songy and silly, of like big, yeah, in, in the Avery Brooks way. And Alexander Siddig is like is like sheepish and embarrassed, and Nana Visitor like. Almost looks at the camera. <laughs> come
1: on, just see the rhyme. Almarine, come with me. Almarine, come to four. Almarine,
0: come to four. Almarine, then three more.
1: Almarine, if you can see. Almarine, you'll come with me. Almarine, you'll come with me. You're exactly right on Terry Farrell. Like I feel like her attitude throughout the rest of this episode is crucial to this thing being taken as seriously as it can be, which is to say, like, this is hanging by a thread. Like, this whole house of cards could come down if she's not acting the way that she's acting. If she if she embodies the persona that an a Avery Brooks does, yeah. or an Anna Visitor does, uh, this thing falls apart entirely.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's... Like, there's a lot of examples of this, of, like, of movies that are saved by a single performance, where, like, you know, Harrison Ford is in a terrible movie about, like, a digital bank heist, but it's just, like, he's so fucking compelling to watch that it's, like, I don't care what's going on. Like, give me more scenes where he's, like, worried about his family. Like, all they want to see is scenes of Harrison Ford being worried about his family.
1: Right, and... It's so weird that the choice is made to not give this for any clear stakes, because if this were made to be life-threatening immediately, like, then I think, I think the attitudes of everyone involved. Changes, yeah. Like, and we might, and we might take this episode more seriously. But instead, because they don't take it seriously, it makes it really hard for
0: us to. Kira gets hurt, and then Bashir gets hurt. But it's like, uh, it's it's a kind of pain that seems it's like less than a bee sting. You know, it's like, ow. Okay, well that's over. That didn't (laughs) work. What should we do? And like, Terry Farrell is really committed to like. I know this script sucks, but let's like give it something. Like, give it some performance to, like, get it get it going.
1: You know, a really great example of this theme was in that... What was it? The late 90s, early 2000s. That, that Sean Penn, Michael Douglas movie, The Game. Yeah. <laughs> like, how much were you wishing that this game was like that game? Are
0: you going to spend the rest of the evening crying at that clown's mouth? A billion percent?
1: God, me too. Like you talk about stakes raising and you know what i was hoping for was like a moment where sanity started to slip a little bit right everyone seems to maintain a level of competence and the challenge <laughs> of the game is so low throughout yeah. that that there's just never any stakes at all
0: yeah that's that's a great that's a great point i mean even like like they show up at like a cocktail party and the gimmick of the cocktail party is that there is smoke that's choking them and they have to drink the drinks at the cocktail party to like survive the smoke. And it's just like what is this about? Like what's the premise of this?
1: Like at least The worst part about that scene is that even in like a like a Skyrim for example or like in a role playing game, mm-hmm. you're given choices to to choose from to to either save your life or die, but in that smoke room scene, there's only one choice. It's choose to to drink the drink or not, and that is so bullshit. Like, there's no stakes to that either, because what else are they going to do? If you don't drink the drink, you know you die. <laughs> so we might as well try drinking the drink, and then that ends up being the solution. This is like uh, this is like Candyland.
0: Yeah, it's really simplistic.
1: Do you think the makeup of the four, if you change the makeup of the four, do you think it improves the story? Like what if what if Jake is one of the four or Nog even to like tie it into the cold open or like saddle them with someone who's weak?
0: Right. It's
1: it a, just seemed like something was missing on on this part of the story.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's got to be the four main characters while Odo runs around freaked out and cork white knuckles it through the, yeah, through the game. But yeah, it's, it's an episode with a fundamental flaw, which is it doesn't really understand the universe is written for
1: every man in this smoke party scene. Uh, looks like Jared Leto. <laughs> so that gave it, uh, that gave it some terror for me.
0: Yeah, that would be, a, that would be a frightening situation. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic, hypnotic. So it's around this time that Odo and Lieutenant Toast have come up with the solution to the problem, which is that some, like, energy burst was detected on the Wadi ship and so odo kind of big dogs lieutenant toast into beaming him over to the wadi ship he's like it's a pretty fun bit of business where he says oh is it against starfleet regulations to beam somebody over to an alien ship without permission well i'm not in starfleet
1: sort of an amazing moment that you know odo is like look at me i'm the captain now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on deep space nine he's the he's the senior in command at this point
0: did odo's makeup look like it had improved quite a bit to you
1: uh inconclusive given the definitional constraints of of the program
0: it seemed smoother and more it, like a better version of what it's trying to be than uh than previous episodes to me yeah um but whatever So he beams over to this ship, and he, like, opens a couple of doors, and uh, there's just, like, blinding bright light on the other side of him. And he goes through the doors, and then he's just in Quark's bar. So apparently Quark's bar is on the Wadi ship. Or the Wadi ship have a pair of doors that beam you to Quark's bar. Or they had an idea that didn't make any sense, and they just kept it in the script.
1: Here's one for you, Ben. This is the moment where Odo realizes that uh, the Wadi are involved in the abduction of the crew people. Why doesn't Odo hold a phaser up to Fallow's head and be like, return our crew people, asshole? Yeah,
0: like, this is, this no is not a fun joke anymore. No one ever threatened Fallow.
1: No. Yeah. He is never threatened for this. Like what is it? Under the under the guise of first contact protocol, you're not supposed to threaten a species that has kidnapped your people?
0: Well listen, they've only kidnapped four. If it was five, it would be a different conversation. That's the real so. that's the that's the point where it kind of tips over into like unacceptable.
1: I love how Quark is like, I don't want to play this game anymore. Odo, you should play for me and
0: Odo's like, fuck that. <laughs> You shit the bed, you sleep in it, Quark. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so like the game gets more and more tense as as uh, as we go from here because you know like Bashir gets uh, gets like beamed out by a bunch of bright lights and then they're you know like he he's supposed to kill somebody else and Quark like doesn't want to take responsibility for it gets down on his knees and begs them not to make him take responsibility for it. And they nonetheless say like, oh, okay, well, we'll just program the computer to decide which one's going to die. And uh, they keep going like the like Bashir is missing, but they keep hearing his voice and they go into, through through a door that leads into some caves, which is like, the caves that we recognize from every late TNG episode ever. Right. (laughs) And uh, Dax, like, hurts her leg, but it's not broken, but it's also, like, not clear that she can move that good. It's like, how hurt is it then? I don't know. This part is
1: so fucked up, Ben. This This is a part where the script functionally breaks for me. Yeah. Because Bashir is next to this doorway that he believes to be the way out. We don't see him go through it, but Bashir all but disappears for the rest of the episode. Yeah. Leaving Kira, Dax, and Sisko to to wander around the rock face. Like, where the fuck is he?
0: Like, was he there, or was it like an illusion? Like, establish that it's an illusion if it's an illusion. Or, you know... or whatever, like it just, yeah, it's like, it's, it's there for no reason. Right. Right,
1: and if that is Bashir, and he chose to leave them instead of helping, like, that's some more dark shit for Bashir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Not a good look. I guess the climactic moment is that the commander and Major Kira and Dax are going to try and ...are going to try and, like, sidle across a very narrow ridge on the rock face. Only a few meters more. They're, like, sidling gingerly across, and then the, there's, like, an earthquake... ...and Kira goes over the side, and they're trying to rescue her. <laughs> and it's, like, tense as fuck, and then they all go over the edge... ...and then all four of them, like, are just kind of, like, cue flashed into Quark's bar... They made it! I won! You know, none the worse for wear. All in their uniforms, no dirt on them. They all realize
1: that they've been in a game and their lives weren't actually threatened. And there is a... There is what should be an ECU on Kira's face, but I was just, like, (laughs) locked onto her anyway. The look on her face is how we feel watching this episode. (laughs) Like, she is... She is disgusted. (laughs) But the
0: entire series was in the mind of a little boy, a little, a yeah. sick little boy in bed. <laughs> but she was like, boy, that was a close one, guys. You remember when I tried
1: to save you from that cliff face? You remember that, right? <laughs> How I tried really hard to save your life and didn't run away like a coward?
0: <laughs> Good thing that was all fake. And so these dumb aliens, the Wadi... Are like, Hey, guys, no hard feelings, right? Just a game, just a fun diversion uh good hangs well, we're off we're off to move along home we're off to uh go have our jersey raised up onto the uh onto the third tier balcony of one off alien races that are a terrible idea. <laughs> Yeah, like, the uh the Wadi costume
1: is definitely, like, put in the rafters as a Hall of Fame one-off bullshit
0: alien, right? For sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely have a ceremony to honor these guys.
0: Yeah, th- th- you know, you got your fish up there, you got your dog, you got your Wadi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the greats. All the greats. All the great aliens.
1: I can't believe I have to ask this, Ben, but did you like this episode?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It's actually kind of amazing to see a, a TV show fail as spectacularly as this. Like, it's not fun to watch this episode, but it is interesting to watch it. Like, so many times, like starting from the first moment where Jake is like, is like, hey, I, like, I know about girls, Nug told me like that is like they have so many times where an interesting idea or an interesting path presents itself that the episode could walk down and they go hard in the other direction like nope we're not going to be doing anything interesting no none of the like insightful shit that we have come up with here is going to be paid off in any way <laughs> it is like it's, it's just it's just like uh, you know Flan- Flanagan's precept at work it's great
1: there's a moment there's a, there's sort of a meta moment in this episode where fallow tells quark you know look uh, there are sort of two routes in this game there's the safe route uh, which is longer. And the more dangerous route, which is shorter, what would you like to do? Cork <laughs> repeatedly chooses the safe route, and I feel like that's what the writers did too. Like it's a show talking about itself. Yeah, the stakes are so low, low and slow. Really, like that 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 safe route is slow. Yeah, and the, it just the doesn't episode matter. is just
0: is just a pull it right off the bone at the end because it's so low and slow. Yeah. See that smoke ring on the episode? It's, it's juicy. <laughs> That's and delicious. what you want
1: right there. It's a it's a Stephen Reichlin episode, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I, Talk about going whole hog. I Hated this episode. I hated it not because it it went it took a big swing and failed. I hated it because it was clearly broken. Like, this was a busted episode that they still made. It,
0: it didn't even take a big swing. Like, it has
1: structural problems that don't make sense.
0: Like, it set the wiffle ball up on the t-ball and, like, attempted to bunt and missed.
1: Yeah. Yeah, did not like. <laughs> One thing I like a lot are the readings of our Priority One messages, Ben. You want to check
0: those out? I love that, too. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. 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 Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship.
1: Ben, our first priority one message is of a commercial nature. <laughs> message goes like this The first ep of Greatest Gen I listened to covered yesterday's Enterprise. And when Ben mentioned Escape Velocity near the end, I thought. Have I found my people? <laughs> if so, I'd like to invite you all to Space Game Junkie, a blog YouTube channel podcast where we gush about space video games, old and new.
0: Whoa. We,
1: we have new content Monday through Friday. Dang. A weekly podcast with developer interviews and regular events. Come join us at spacegamejunkie.com, and we can't wait to see you. Thanks, Ben and Adam. Space Game Junkie is a love letter to video games with spaceships, both old and new. Come join us to find space games you'll love to play.
0: Dang. I
1: love a space game,
0: Ben. I love a space game, too. Look Um, at
1: Space Game Junkie doing content five days a week. How do they do it?
0: Very impressive. I'm on their website. They have a calendar as one of the sections on their website to show you how many different things they're doing every week. It's amazing.
1: Oh, that's fun.
0: They got land parties. Seems oh, like, I like it. This seems like a, a, a heaping helping of fun. Adam, we have another Priority One message. It's from Denny, and it's for Ben and Adam. We know them. <laughs> it, it goes like this. I recently had a difficult trip to attend a funeral for a family member. After an emotionally draining couple of days, I listened to some back episodes of Greatest Gen on my red-eye flight back home, and it really lifted my spirits. Thanks for making such a fun pod. I always look forward to hearing a new episode. Keep up the good work, guys. Ah, well, Denny, that is very sweet of you to say, and, uh, we are... You know, like... It, it's hard to know how to reply to, to these, because I think that for, for you and I, like, mostly Greatest Gen is just a fun thing we get to do with each other uh, once a week, and, like, when whenever we hear about it being, like, a meaningful and important thing in somebody's life, it is, it is really touching and uh, almost... You know, it's almost an emotion I don't know how to contain because it just—it's—it's it's fun for us, you know. But it's—it's uh, very—it's an honor to like have made something that—that that has that much value for anyone. So uh, thank you for thank you for writing in, Denny, and thank you for doing a P one about it.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Denny. I mean, messages like this—I mean, there are shows for me that feel the way this show feels to Denny, and it makes me. Want to write those shows to tell them, too, because of how great it makes me feel to hear this uh, every time we do. So I should be better about that, because it really means a lot.
0: It does. Well, if you'd like to uh, send a personal or commercial message, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, and it will explain what to do. Angela. Boy do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. It's available nationwide. That's Microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till max fun drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly, incredibly fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app and at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Adam. What's up, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk, drunk Shimoda!
1: Shimoda! Sure did. At 1707, uh, Sirak Lofton, as Jake Sisko, has gone into Odo's office and is like, Nog and I were going over to Airlock 3 and watch the Bajoran
0: transport passengers come on board.
1: And Odo's like... Do you mean to look at the girls? <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face when of embarrassment at being caught ogling Bajoran girls is worth an Emmy to me. Like, this is such great acting from, like, a child actor... Shouldn't be able to do what he does here. Yeah, and wow, I, I started blushing during <laughs> this take because, like, the look on his face is so genuinely embarrassed. Like it is, it's like a masterclass. Like it is so much more than this episode deserves. That moment was everything to me. That Man. look of embarrassment on him, and uh, he's my drunk Shimoda for it.
0: That is, that is a great call, Adam. That is a a really remarkable like. That that little take really contains multitudes cuz he's both like laughing and also yeah. ashamed and also like you can see that like this is like the thing that I like the most.
1: A lesser actor would like cock their head to the side and just sort of like kick dirt or whatever. <laughs> and he does like four things in this take that are like exemplary like, yeah. and worth studying like I don't know where he gets it. I think you hire Sirac Lofton for his ability to do something like this. I, I thought it was just awesome. I, like, I wish... and, and he, like, two seconds later, he, like, buttons it back up into, yeah. like, rigid, I'm in trouble face. Like, I wish we saw awesome. more
0: of Sirac Lofton in, 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 uh, more things. Like, I think he's really terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Like, you don't get worse at acting when you're this good at, at this age.
1: I agree. What about you, Ben? Who's your drunk Shimoda?
0: Um, my drunk Shimoda is also a, a take that contains multitudes, and it is uh, Major Kira when uh, when she has to do the Ella Moraine count yeah. to four.
1: <laughs>
0: like, that, is, that is rough. As the camera moves past her on that uh, on that hopscotch field, it is just. <laughs> Like, Nana Visitor is both playing the character and also saying, I am so much better than this (laughs) as an actor. Like, she is saying two things at the same time. Yeah. And it's it's fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) Please tell
1: me we have a better episode coming up next, Ben.
0: The next episode is season one, episode 10, The Nagus. Quark is suddenly named leader of the Ferengi financial empire and discovers that he's not only popular, he's now a target for death.
1: That's what popularity gets you, Ben. A bullseye.
0: <laughs> if you want to become the Negus, you better remember one thing. A good supply of body bags.
1: <laughs> a Ferengi bullseye just has two smaller bullseyes attached to the sides of the circle. <laughs> Great. Well, it uh, looks like a cork-centered episode and that's something that I could be into.
0: I could be into that too. Uh, also, the Negus is obviously a Wallace Shawn character, which is always delightful, Adam.
1: Oh, did not know that. I yeah. love a Wallace Shawn.
0: Wallace Shawn, a, uh, a recurring featured performer on Deep Space Nine, which is... Maybe the main thing about Deep Space Nine that is great.
1: Fantastic.
0: All right. Do we want to find out if we're going to be drunk dopes during this Nagus episode? Roll them bones, Ben. It is a 10, Adam, so we will be avoiding drunkenness once again.
1: Hmm. Ah, Two pins showing. Oh, too bad. Fair enough. Well, uh, one thing we can't possibly avoid are the conversations that happen after each and every episode of Greatest Gen. Those happen over at Facebook at uh, one of two groups. There's sort of a public-facing group where we post our shows and and a private group that you need to apply for entry to, Ben, to prove that you're not a robot. And uh, all sorts of fun conversations happen there, the memeing of our jokes and whatnot. Just a great great place on Facebook to talk about the show. We also do that over on Twitter using the hashtag greatestgen, or I am as I am there as at cutfortime, and you are there as at Benjamin R., A-H-R.
0: We should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusia for the majority of the rest of the music you hear on the program. If you enjoy the show, go over to MaximumFun.org slash donate and help Support its production And uh, while you're over there Check out the other shows on MaximumFun.org There's some great ones You got Lady to Lady You got uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me You got Judge John Hodgman Jordan Jesse Go Stop Podcasting Yourself Baby Geniuses They're adding new shows all the time There's just a Total embarrassment of comedy gold Over there And I highly recommend you go check all that stuff out.
1: Yeah, I recommend the same. With that, we'll be back at you next time with another great episode of... (laughs) Another much, much better episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And another episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine. That is inconceivable.